Oh my goodness. It's finally here. My very first episode of the Caribbean Booth Stories podcast. After my mini IG series and the outpouring of love I received, this felt like the most natural step for me to take. For those of you who are close to me, you know that the last three years have been life-altering with many, many highlights and a sprinkling of lowlights. But finally, surrendering my plans and embracing his brought me the answers I so longed for. Who am I? I asked myself. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, sister, friend, physical therapist, a Caribbean woman, and the list goes on. But true joy comes when I am able to lend a listening ear to a friend or stranger. And therein, my purpose was revealed. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Endometriosis affects one in 10 women. It takes on average seven and a half years to be diagnosed. Endometriosis may sound simple, a condition in which cells like the ones lining the womb grow elsewhere in the body. Yet, its effects can be powerful and disabling, resulting in pain, cramps, surgery, if you can afford it, medication, chemically induced menopause, and many other intrusions. Endometriosis isn't spoken about enough, especially in the Caribbean, where the symptoms can be dismissed by medical professionals. Oh, it's just real bad cramps that you will get used to or you will grow out of. Wrong. It is a pleasure to introduce my special, special guest today, Mrs. Nika Anderson Isaacs. Born and raised in Jamaica, and now living in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Nika is a communications officer in the Ministry of Health in St. Vincent. She calls herself a victor, not a victim of endometriosis. Listen to her story. Hi, Nika. Hi, Chanel, how are you? I am well, I'm well. So, we're gonna head straight into it, okay? Tell me about your the road that you took to motherhood. What was it like? How did you get there? All right, what were the surrounding factors, especially since you were diagnosed with endometriosis, correct? Okay, first of all, thanks for having me on this um, program, this series. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that not a lot of persons like delve into the real issues that women face. And thanks for wearing yellow because it's representative of endometriosis. And this month we are, you know, celebrating and bringing the awareness of that. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. So I'm Nika Anderson Isaacs. I'm fabulous, beautiful, intelligent. Ooh. And I am not defined by my endometriosis. It doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Um, my road to motherhood and especially dealing with endometriosis in a pandemic madness. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that I was able to have children or to have a child. So, so st- stop right there. Did someone tell you that? The doctor. Yeah. I was told that I might not be able to have children. Now, right. mentally, if you choose not to have one is a different story. Cause for years I was okay, not having a child. I mean, I wasn't ready to have a child. So as far as I knew, I I should be able to have one. So Mm -hmm. it was never a thought. So you're fine. 
But right. the moment that you're told that you might not be able to, that's a yeah. total different mental. Mm-hmm. That's a shift. It messes with you. And I was surprised because I didn't expect to feel that way mm-hmm. about the probability of maybe not having a child. So if you have the choice to not have one, that's great. And I had I had that power as far as I knew. But then when I was told by the doctor that um, this may not be a reality, then it's so weird how you kind of want something that you might not be able to have. And so I know for a fact that there are a lot of women who think they don't want one or they're not ready for one. But when they get to that space, mm-hmm. that mental space, when they're told that they might not, it's a total different ball game. And as I said before, I never really expected to feel that way about hearing that you may not I might be. not be able to have. So you have to know, put yourself in a total different mind space or frame to process that information, to understand what it means and to go forward now for me thankfully i have a very supportive partner and loving partner and we have to be fair to men as well because first for partners that are not as understanding is a lot to put on it's a lot to put on them and especially if they want children Mm -hmm. so to have to deal with not being able Mm -hmm. to produce one together with your partner if it's something you want is different Um, my husband was okay with us not having if it is that i'm unable to have right but also i need to insert this point that sometimes it's not the woman's fault at all endometriosis or no endometriosis and i think that is not something especially as caribbean women that we discuss a lot a lot of time we're stressed out because you think it's just you and i'm not saying in this situation that was the case obviously i eventually had a child so it wasn't either of us but the point is a lot of cases and a lot of times women get really really stressed out because they think they're the problem so an advice early up in the movie is to ensure that both persons get tested so you know what your situation is and i'll tell you a funny thing about it is that a lot of times when men think realize that they may they have to get tested they start freak out like (laughs) yeah yeah because they don't want to think that they're the problem it's easier to think that the woman is the problem all right so all right right, so i went i took a curveball and went to that's all right that's okay (laughs) drift back into it now did you have difficulty getting pregnant um I, I wasn't even trying because i thought that i couldn't right so um but i got pregnant two years after my surgery okay so Funny tell enough, me a little bit about this surgery so that's what i'm going into now because right. i was being told that i needed to do another surgery which i was like i don't know that i can do this again because i was on right for my surgery mm-hmm. which is what really confirmed that I had endometriosis. So prior to that, what would happen is the doctors can speculate. They can make a hypothesis. They can, based on your symptoms, they can say it's most likely uh, we believe that you have endometriosis, but unless you go and get that surgical intervention done, you can't really definitively say that you do have endometriosis. So I went to, eventually, when I'll tell you the whole story leading up to that, but I went to Barbados and got my surgery done. And thanks to Dr. Lafond and Dr. Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it laparoscopic surgery that you yes. had done? 
Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And while, which is the gold standard for right. re- basically diagnosing endometriosis. Correct. Okay. And while I did that surgery, they also found fibroids. Right. Which I didn't even know I had, which all the scans and whatever you do and all the money that you spend, you never see any of that. And then right. when they went in there, so that's another thing. When they go in, they can end up for way more than they bargain for. So it's boy based on the situation, it can be worse than you actually think. I don't okay. know if there's a better result, but it is just what is and what can be worse. All right. Okay. Right. So I did that surgery and um, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The money we have to come up with for the surgery. That is yeah. what really inspired me to start to talk about it because I was thinking, all right, how am I going to come up with all this money? First of all, I was on treatment for six months. The six months was leading up to the surgery and right. you had to do the surgery within a short period of time following the treatment or it wouldn't make sense. So you'd have to do it over again for six months. That treatment sends you into premenopausal state. So you literally for that period of time go into menopause. menopause. That was hell. Let me tell you something. What kind of symptoms did you have in that? Girl, (laughs) the hot flashes were oh my God, we had to install an AC. I couldn't drive it up. Like it was bad. It was, I had mood swings. Um, you can imagine if somebody's already stressed out or suffering from depression or, or mental disorder, that would be even worse for them. So yeah. what made it a little bit easier for me per se is having a conversation and communication becomes important again. So I had to have a conversation with my boss and my immediate superiors that this is what is happening. I will, this will be happening. So just in case I'm acting weird and I'm not yeah. conscious of it because 99% of the time you're unconscious of your behavior because the medication, you don't even realize that you're re- responding yeah. or reacting the way that you are. And the persons that work immediately with me, like anybody else, I just didn't thought, it, I didn't think it was their business to know. But mm. for persons who work directly and closely with me, and I thought I I did amazing. But when I like month like like a year or so after, I said, "Well, I did pretty well." And they were, everybody they watched me like, "No, you did not." So I was just like, "It was that bad." So I, was, <laughs> I said, "It was that bad," because I'm already a blunt and a straightforward person. Right. So I can I just I remember one time there was a meeting though at the office, and my boss had to send me out. I, it was I was just like. Oh very impatient and agitated yeah. and boy, not, big not up to my husband big up to my husband <laughs> yes yeah i feel like we're gonna have to do a, a men's segment seriously yeah big up to my husband no like he, yeah he can do a lot and the reality is sorry for putting a business out there baby but you may not be able to have sex during that period so imagine right. six months no sex mm-hmm. I a toll on your relationship yeah because like trying to do it Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work. So I'm, no matter frustrate yourself or try to do it because it's better you just help yourself or go without because yeah, that was that was a hot mess. Physically, your body not allowing you to, mm-hmm. and mentally, and you know, to really have good, you mm-hmm. need mind and body to body. be to be Connected. functioning, and that wasn't happening. So um, I hope I'm not too raw. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we need to keep it as real as we can so that you can help yeah. as many people. As yeah, I don't can. want it to be like, we're putting like a PG. Thing. No, no, no. 
no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So you said you weren't trying, but it happened. Yeah, because I thought I couldn't. Like right. the doctor, like after all, it's, it's two years after my surgery. Now, after the surgery, like once you got well, they were encouraging it to try and try and try and try. Right. And then, so, so in my mind, I'm thinking you're not going to actively try. So you're going to try because if you tell yourself that you're trying, it's you, bare stress. It can't happen. Like it mm-hmm. won't happen because right. it's just like. And then you also and then put that time now, during that, right, you're doing a period, you're checking, and when your period come again, it's like a disappointment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Twice disappointment. One, because the pain is horrible. And two, because you're not pregnant. So it's just like, after a while, I'm just like, I done with that. Yeah. Surrender. I just really surrendered the process. And I said, you know, and release is so important from a spiritual perspective. That mm-hmm. it's at the point, honestly, that even though I wasn't at the time, at the point that it happened, I wasn't really trying. Right. Prior to coming definitively to that point, I just let it all go. And I'm just like, God, you know what? Whatever your plan is for my life, I accept mm-hmm. it because two things I always said. I never wanted to pressure me. I wanted to be okay if I didn't get married in life. And I wanted to be okay if I didn't have children, because I realized how many women I've seen growing up get so miserable and bitter and difficult to be around because they feel like time running out and they're not getting married. And a lot of people end up pick to pick because mm-hmm. they rush to get into this, mm-hmm. this goal, this goal, like, yeah, it's nice being married. It's hard work. Trust me. But it's nice to have that partner that you can spend time with, but it's not some, something that you want to rush into because it right. takes a lot of work and people have this fairy tale of what it is. Yeah. And also having children, you don't want to just have a child or children with any and anybody, because again, it's hard work and just the whole process and what it takes out of you. You really want to do it with the right person. But I was saying, I didn't want to become a bitter, angry, difficult to be around person because um, society say by a certain time you're supposed to achieve uh-huh. these things yeah. and it wasn't achieving. And there's a lot of pressure on us as women okay. because the time bomb, the time is time clock is clicking and you have to, and it really is a is a true thing to, to an extent. Mm-hmm. But it's too much pressure and on the mental. So sometimes they end up in situations that they're not ready for are not prepared mentally because physically most of us are okay, but mentally is another process and, and we're not. So that was, that was something else. So fast forward to finding out that I was pregnant. So I had to start, this was just when the pandemic was about to start. Okay. So, so like March um, of last year. About March. I think, I think that's when I found out. Okay. All right. So when I found out there was this weird thing because I was just feeling like the Friday evening, I was feeling for a glass of wine. And then I was just like, no, all right, let me tell you how weird it is that sometimes your body can send me signals and it's so important to pay attention. Um, and, and I think people on a spiritual level will be able to understand this in a weird way. It's so weird how your body can send you signals um, and especially persons who are, who are like kind of on a spiritual enlightenment kind of part would understand what I'm saying even more. Um, that a week before I found out, I joked about it at work to say that I'm not coming here to do whatever because 
ain't letting nobody affect my baby and rubbing my belly. And then after that, I was, jo- I was like, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm not pregnant. And I always mess it about with pregnancy joke. And it's because I think I couldn't get pregnant anyway. So I was just always right. joking about it. I was like, ha, 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 that's not going to happen. Or right. plan with people at work and tell them, yeah, man, get pregnant. We're going to work on it together. But right. knowing that, no, that's not going to happen. So the week mm. before, I made this, this statement about being pregnant and rubbing my belly. And strange enough, on morning I was going to work, I hold my belly, rub it and was praying. I'm just like, Nika, what are you doing? This is so crazy. It was like an unconscious thing that I did. And then when I realized what I was doing, I was just like, what are you doing? And then the Friday of that week, I felt for, I said, going home early and I'm going to relax. I'm going to drink a glass of wine. And then I went to the fridge, she poured a glass of wine. I'm just like, what if you're pregnant? Don't drink wine. I'm just like, this, you know, this getting out of control now because right. you're not pregnant. And then I was to clean the Saturday. And I say, I just, Jamaicans going to know this. When I clean, well, Caribbean people, beer, chemical oh, mix wow. up. Yes. Bleach. <laughs> Mix up, soaking out, baths, all of that. So I say, man, I go put on a big cleaning. And I just say, man, all of them chemical And I'm just like, what if I'm pregnant? And I'm just like, you know what? I have to stop this foolishness now. So I call my friend. I said, where are you? And it was Terrence. I called her. I said, where are you? And she said, she on the road. I said, okay, um, stop at the pharmacy and get me some pregnancy tests. And she's just like, hmm. So she's just like, okay. So I'm just like, no, man, I'm not pregnant. And I just have this weird feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this weird feeling and I want I really want to clean in a piece of mine. So yeah. I just check in. I just check in. Uh-huh. So she bring it and then I say, yeah man, big up yourself. And I go. <laughs> I have the water, everything set up now for clean, you know, start dropping the bleach and thing. And then I go do the test. My girl, I see two line come up. I fling one thing I run. <laughs> I said, what? So I start take out the box out of the garbage. I start reading like what, yes. like what tool I need. Like I said, no, but I start trembling now. I I freak out and I line I freak out. And oh I come up and I start shaking. And she's like, like I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, so I call my husband now. And mm-hmm. I said, Billy, Billy. And he's just like running, come now. Very cautious, thinking like it's a rat or something. <laughs> <laughs> he thinking like a lizard or a rat or something and then so he there edging out edging out by the bathroom and I said look look and he's just like wow wow like he I said man it's not like that and then he look at it and he's just like congratulations and I'm like congratulations congratulations you know see it's corona <laughs> Nico wow maybe that was just my shock coming I don't even know if I should say this in public that was my reaction I think yes. it's Corona. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, like, what are you doing? Like, why would you make this happen to me at this time? Sorry. Like, this is supposed to be something that you're happy about. And I'm not vexed, God, and I'm not sad. I'm, I'm happy and I th- and thank you. But why now? And I'm just like, this is crazy. And I'm just like, oh, God, what are going to do? And then my husband just got sit down and just leave before just process my shock. Yes. And I was just like, but he said, congratulations. Like, what kind of response is that? But he, no, he's a really calm and cool person. He's just okay. the chillest, one of the chillest person you'll ever meet in life. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. So my energy and all of this, he balances me out. So, he calms yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I was in shock. So I just go leave the cleaning and go lie down. And then I said, no, I'll go have to take a test again tomorrow morning. <laughs> So I had like three. I had to do it like three times, oh, wow. and so I have one in one bathroom over there, and I still have the, I still have them just there. I left them there, 
one in that bathroom, one in this bathroom. Wait, they're still in the bathroom now? Yeah, because, I mean, I was like... like today, they're still there? Yeah. What? Yes, yeah. I, I need to throw them out. After this interview, I'll throw them out. <laughs> but, like, yeah. So, but that's the funny part of it. But seriously, though, I had to pull myself together. Like, after the reality of the fact that this is what was happening, so I had to call them at work because... um. I was to start a new shift the Monday because of the whole COVID situation. Okay, I started yeah. going much earlier and mm-hmm. so much in go, especially when you deal with communication, like the public needs to be yes. aware of what is happening. Yeah. And it's just so much, so much, so much. Um, so it was additional work that I would have to do. So now I had to tell them that that plan can work. Um, yeah. And I have to take special precautions now to take care of myself and this unborn child. Mm-hmm. And just the reality and the magnitude of what was coming was so much mixed feeling, but I don't think that I, in the moment, <clears throat> got the opportunity to fully enjoy it so much mm-hmm. because of the uh, whole mm-hmm. pandemic and, and understanding what that could mean. And then my, you know, one of my bosses, Dr. Kiza, Dr. Simon Kiza, she was just like, Nika, this is a blessing. Like, stop it, put yourself together. And she was just like, and I, I guess that is what I needed at that time. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like after that, I was just like, I just took the time and I just said, Lord, thank you. And I know you'll bring me through this process and stuff. But let me tell you something. I had to practice mindfulness. I had to shut myself off from a lot of outside information. Um, because and around that time, too, there was a lot of fear and anxiety. What? Yes. At the beginning of the pandemic, nobody knew what was happening. And then, like, I was fine until, like, after I did the second test, the Sunday, mm-hmm. where, like, a wave of sickness just dropped down on me. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. I was sick for, like, four months, sick like a dog. I was so sick. I was wor- I started to work from home, and I couldn't work from home anymore. I couldn't function. My mother-in-law had to come and help out. And luckily, after a while, they started to stagger the shifts and my husband was able to stay home like a week on, a week off. It was so bad. I felt like I was at the bottom of the ocean, just in darkness and sinking. And I couldn't, it was just a feeling of nothingness. And I said, Lord, I don't, I can't believe this is, this cannot be it. This, I see people posing and taking those pictures and it looking so fabulous and this can't be it. This is not it. I'm like, I go through so much pain. I, no, I'm In my mind, I was just like, if I get pregnant, it gonna be smooth sailing because I'm into fitness, I'm healthy. And well, as healthy as can be minus endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just thought that with all the pain and suffering I've dealt with all I'm, most of my life for endometriosis, I would have a smooth pregnancy like God would have just say, no pain for you. Uh-huh. Girl, the thing was so bad, so bad. And I was just like vexed. I'm just like, why they don't tell you about that period of vomiting? I actually lost weight. I couldn't eat anything other than the baby only wanted fruits. And then when I had so much fruits, I started to throw that up too. I threw up so much. I got headaches. It was so bad. So, 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 so bad. So women, it is a blessing to have a child, but the process is not, and I get everybody experiences different. So I'm not like, talking for everybody, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, keep it real with people and let them know. Everybody was just like, oh, if we, tell, if we tell women the truth, they won't want to have one. I'm like, no, because it's like in your mind, it's false expectation of 
what is coming and stuff. Like, even okay. when you give birth, them telling a the boy, you go forget the pain once the baby born. Foolishness. I still <laughs> remember the pain right now. <laughs> but what kind of advice were you being given by, say, fellow Vincentians or fellow Jamaicans, your mommy, whoever? Like, what were they telling you about the do's and don'ts of while you were pregnant? I think for me, I, there was a point that I felt really lonely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and most persons that are really, really close to me weren't here. Like my mother is in Jamaica, was in Jamaica at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, most of your close friends, not there. Like the people in that really. Yeah. And then the persons that the few other ones that would want to be there for you couldn't because of the pandemic and social distancing and everybody themselves processing. Yes. What was happening? So I, you know, at one point I got upset on a core set of friends that I have. And I'm just like, you know, everybody's like, oh, we want like excited and want you to get pregnant and whatever. Now that I'm pregnant, everybody's just mm-hmm. where are you? Nowhere. And then I said, you know, I said to myself, like, Nika, I think you're being unfair and harsh with everybody because everybody is just trying to navigate themselves through this process and dealing it with it in their own way. And had it not been for this, you know that the response would have been different. But in the pandemic itself, it was um, very lonely. Well, let me tell you something. My husband stepped up like a champion. That man did every single thing he was I said, but I, I thought you were okay with not having a child because you look so excited and so into this whole thing. Like, I guess it's just, this is now your reality and dealing with it. And it was so sweet and inspiring and so much good things to watch this man. He's like, you're getting to watch him grow in a different way as well. And that was good. So I had his support more than anything else. And the, the other few persons who are here, tried as best as they could but again it was just the reality and i'll say to women who are pregnant no understand that you know other people going through it too and i'm not a needy person at all it was just because of this whole emotion and everything going all over the place that you just realize that but look i'm thankful that i was able to pull myself back together mentally and just be like Nika don't be unfair to other persons because everybody trying to manage this and deal with it their own way some of them have young children that demand so much of them and you know everybody didn't get the the opportunity to work from home also so it's just trying to be extra safe and all of that it was being pregnant in a pandemic is was so hard and now people come tell them about next one I say what no, oh Lord, no. Let's before we get to that question, um, tell me a little bit about Jump Life Entertainment and okay. fashion art music. Yeah, so FAM. FAM is fashion art music for endometriosis, and that started out of me. I don't like to beg people, I don't like to pressure people. Um, I am by nature a giver. And when I needed, when I had to go and do my surgery, I am like, how am I going to come up with all of this money? Because the six months of treatment alone was a lot. Like one of the shots was like six, 600 and some US. Mm-hmm. Some persons may have to take six. So you have like a different one that you can do like every, okay. ever so often, or you can do the one for, so then we had to find a supplier out of Barbados again, and then try to get like a special, get like a little rate based on which doctor or person you use um, to get it. So it could cost more. I was on Zolodex. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, um, luckily for me as well, that I didn't have to fly out every time to get the shot because my doctor there trusted a doctor here. So if your doctor not have the full confidence in the doctor where you're living, they may you may have to travel all yeah. the time. And luckily, it's not during this whole pandemic. Can you imagine how persons yeah. who have to deal with that know how much more difficult it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so by the time you finish that um, treatment, your, your resource is depleted. And uh, then you have to come up with how much thousands of dollars. And so I decided, let me, I'm an artsy person and I love that kind of thing. And I like to entertain, I like to give back. So how can I give persons value for what they're gonna give to support me? So I came up with FAM, which is Family Supporting Others for Endometriosis. And it's, so FAM is a short for family. And FAM is Fashion, Art and Music, which you which binds people together. Um, fashion, Art, Music for Endometriosis. So I had the event and to raise funds, the, the first one started with raising funds for myself. And yeah. you know, it's weird how people think you get this bag of money. First hmm. and foremost, you have to pay to do the event. Like you have exactly. to pay, right? Hmm. Even with sponsorship, yes. right? Even after I did the event for myself, I had to take a loan. Yeah. So, you know, people don't understand. And so I just said, you know what? This is so expensive. I'm not rich, but God has blessed me where, you know, you're able to make the sacrifices you need to make to do what you need to do, mm-hmm. which may include taking a loan. So I did that and I say, you know, the average woman can't afford this. And so I did it in another year and I was able to help three women. Um, one supposed to, well, the COVID thing just messed that up too because supposed to go and seek surgical intervention. I wasn't able to give her all the money. She was trying to raise some on her own. So I tried to support the the events that she was doing to raise funds as well as to give her a portion of money um, to help towards that process to go and receive um, the intervention. And the other two um, from the Grenadines to do consultation and at least the first assessment Mm-hmm. So that they're able to know at least start the process and know what that would mean after that. The amount of women, I tell you, who thank me for coming out and talking about it, who thank me for like having conversation, like consistently messaging me. And everybody don't want to be put out there. Like initially the first person that I had identified to help, she didn't want to talk. So I said, I cannot come publicly and ask people to support something and then give it to you privately. So yes. I can support you in your privacy, but in terms of, if you ask I'm them. very transparent in terms of asking persons, I must be able to say, this is where your resources would have gone. So yeah, that is where, and jump life. I'm always jumping. Like I'm a very positive person. I believe in jumping into positivity, into focus, into, you know, I'm just making people life better. Like that's what we're here to do. You know, if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living won't be in vain. And I say, Lord, you know, every experience I have help me to use it to bless somebody else. Every Thing that you have given me, whether it's my home, obviously you have to do it with wisdom, my vehicle, whatever it is at all, the wisdom, knowledge, whatever it is I have that I can use to make somebody else's life better, to bless them, to support them, to guide them, help me to do that. So I'm like, even endometriosis, it has been a pain in the rear, literally. Let me see how I can use this to bless somebody else. And for me, I'm a public-private person. I'm open, but they're layers of privacy so to come to the point where you're gonna 
come out and say, this is what is happening and I need your help or I need your support. Mm -hmm. It's, it's still, you know, some people saying, oh, you're so brave. And you're so like, I don't really think it's brave, but it's, it still had to be a process for me to be able to come okay. out and have a conversation. And I realized how much of us as women throughout the Caribbean, we don't talk about our, our issues. And when I realized how much women were suffering in silence, I said, this is craziness. And funny enough, but just before I got pregnant, the last interview I did was on the Jumpstart show. <laughs> a friend of mine, Hayden Belinji, has a Jumpstart show. Um, and he, we were talking about infertility. Mm-hmm. And the next part of that process, too, I would say, it comes back to the surrender, just being willing to let it go and to just be open and honest with what you're, what is happening. And even now that I've had a child at my Nail tech was saying to me how oh, so much persons come to her and persons message me and say, I give them so much hope because you know they know what my struggles were or are, and the fact that I have, it gives them so much hope. And yes, there is hope, and there's hope in God. And that's why you really can't be defined by whatever illness or condition you have. And also the reality that some persons still may not be able to. So I don't want to give people this false sense of hope. Hope, exactly. but just being realistic about it so that mm-hmm. it doesn't affect you more mentally right. because all of the information, everything that is happening to you is still stuff that you have to process. Right now I have a, a friend in Jamaica, Zoe. She's less like amazing. Like whatever I have gone through as bad as, as it is, is nothing compared to what she has gone through with NMHS. I'm just like, how? Like, how is it? How is it even worse than what I've gone through? And somehow it, it happens to be like that. And I never, ever want persons to use a token in terms of comparison to say, oh, but this person have it better than her. No, it's not about that. It's about understanding that these things affect us differently and how important it is to support, how important it is to share, and how important it is to be authentic about it and to be real about it and to give persons the information, give them the facts and let them choose for themselves what they want. Even as it relates to the journey of pregnancy, the preparation process, you're told mostly how to care for the child, but nobody tells you how to care for yourself. Nobody tells you when you get that tear and the stitches, how, um, you know, what you would need to see that. They don't tell you, even in the hospital, they assume, like a lot of the medical persons assume, like persons would be like, oh, your mother coming? They just say, oh, them old school people, they got to tell you what to do. No, because like there was one nurse who took the time out to say, you know, when you have to go over the hot water, Mm-hmm. And steam to help, boy. Oh, gosh. When you well, have to go and steam. This is when a segue because my next question to you is going to be about your postpartum experience and self-care. So you've had your baby. And if you don't mind sharing, was it a vaginal delivery or did you have to do a C-section? It was, it it was, was a vaginal. vaginal delivery. Right. So, and yes, we, we are not really told much about that postpartum period. We're told about breastfeeding after the baby and taking care of the baby. But how do you take care of yourself? So tell me a little bit about how you would describe that postpartum period for yourself. Were there any challenges you didn't foresee? Difficult. It was so hard. You can hardly walk it. Oh, gosh, man. It was bad. And Mm -hmm. then it's like the same steam and whatever. But actually, what I learned from a nurse was that there's a particular way to do the steaming. There's a step. So when she outlined to me what it is, I was like, everybody is just steam. You have to steam. So then we just assume, you know, go over the panel. So she was just like, there's a particular way in terms of the 
you don't like you pat the area you wipe from front to back you don't um you make sure your hands are clean and stuff and and that is sometimes difficult in a hospital based on on where you are um, yes so when you say steam are you meaning like a sits bath or is it different from a sits bath because the sits bath is where you actually sit in the little it's almost like a little commode and you know you sit in there with epsom salt sometimes you know different various products they put in there and you just sit in there for like 20 minutes like that's what i did it's kind of like that, but they tell it to use pot salt at first and to make the water as hot as possible as you oh, can no. bear it and to sit mm. in it. So you're actually sitting in it. There's so much different things in terms of what right. to use, what not to use. Mm-hmm. Um, the Epsom salt may be too high. I don't know. The people are still right. all kind of different, different things. things yes. to be honest. This like, is not a medical program. So I don't want people going away saying that they must do this. Listen to your healthcare providers, yes, but also do your own research. You know, ask your mother or your aunts or your grandmother what they did and see if it helped them as well. You know, that's why we're having this conversation so we can share stories, but not necessarily to take things as gospel, but at least start that conversation so you can do your own research and make informed decisions about, okay, how am I going to navigate postpartum and my self-care? Because it's not just about the baby. It's about me healing as well, right? So you have to take care of your vagina. It is so critical. Like you can't really do much. Mm -hmm. How long would you say it took for you to, you you had to get stitches? Yes. How long would you say it took for you to feel like there was kind of normal again. I, w- I wouldn't say normal because I know that takes a little while. I know you have a six week checkup, but it was not intact by six weeks for sure. Right. Okay. It wasn't like normal for me by six weeks. Um, for me, probably 10 weeks, 12 weeks uh-huh. to start like remembering being able to sit you. properly and to be able to like, you know, that was just the outside healing. And then you have to allow inside to heal. And then again, having conversations with your partner and, and them understanding the process and what you're going through is so important because like for some persons who are able to like have sex up to the last point, they they probably, no, 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 you know, man, austerity. Them, <laughs> but if you weren't able to, that means it's a longer wait period. Yes. That's why I don't understand how women who have sex again within that six weeks after six weeks problem, you are the real champions. Trust me. You, I salute you because it was happening. Yeah, yeah. I definitely will concur because I don't think I'd even considered sex for at least the first, I would say easily the first 12 weeks. Because it just wasn't, oh. I was tired. And then the nurse was telling me, but oh, you like you're coming back so good. Like you could get pregnant again. I said, uh huh. We're gonna see about that. <laughs> nah, not me. <laughs> not me. But uh, when you were leaving the hospital, though, I'm interested because I've not really had um, a Vincentian experience as to what advice you're given when you leave the hospital about taking care of yourself because I know they're going to give you tons of advice who's supposed to give you that advice the nurses and the doctors that are taking oh, okay. care of okay um let me tell you then for for the most part the nurses and the doctors were very good but as I say to you to be honest a lot of times there is just the assumption that 
you know. Do. No, especially if you're, they use different things to judge you. Like if you have help, then assume like, well, they got, they got tell her. If you're educated, she gonna know, she gonna read and, and stuff. So there's just these whole things that people assume and they don't give you the information because they think, you know, so right. I was telling you, I said to the um, one particular nurse, I said, that's so good of you. Thank you for taking the time out to, because she's like, you know how to steam properly, right? And I was just like, um, no. I think so. And she said, no, no, no. And that, and then when you get home, you're going to need to get the, the bath and sit in it and, and stuff. Cause they, right. they, they'll loan you one at the hospital if you wow. don't have, have, have one and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's like, well, that's good. And then they tell you, they tell you to try and do it like, at, like three times a day. Right. But that's not always possible when they get home and then the baby. Correct. Like, so would you yeah. say your experience of giving birth has changed how you see yourself as a person. First, you, you can't, you can never be the same person again. First of all, it has made me appreciate my mother so much more. Like yeah. second of all, it makes me appreciate women mm-hmm. so much more. Mm-hmm. Those who can and those who cannot. Yes. And I already respect and appreciate women, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it could go, go higher than that. Mm-hmm. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it transforms you in such a way that you're not prepared for. I will say this. I can see the whole process. How if not, if there is not support, how women can sink into depression. Just even during the process of pregnancy and the, the expense. It's really, really expensive. And nobody really tell you about that part of it as well. Yeah. You're just like, have a child, they said. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you about like all of the different things that you need to get. And you get all these stuff for the baby, but they don't tell you about, okay, you may need to get the cooling pads for your mm-hmm. vagina to help um, ease that. An ex-friend of mine, she um, gave me some, and I thought that was a really cool gift because most of the stuff that you get is from for the baby and stuff, but nothing for yourself. Mm-hmm. And one of those bottles that you squish. Yes, squish up. Bottle. yes. right. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that is so thoughtful. And the next thing is what I would, I promise myself that I'll do. And I promise God is that anybody that is close to me that is pregnant, I will a hundred percent as best as I'm possible, um, as best as it's possible to be there for them because the process is not easy. Like all the changes that your body go through, all the things. And it's almost like a funeral in a different way. So once you get to the graveyard and the body goes down, it's like everything just stop right there. So everybody just gone back to Mm-hmm. their life yeah. and occasionally so it's the same process like once you have the baby and you get the support and people like pay a little more attention generally because you're in that process like if you're going online people would just be like no let the pregnant lady go like you get a lot of favor in that regard but once the baby drop yeah so it's important for friends for family members to support give support to women who are going through it and let me tell you something women do not think it's a badge of honor to have to deal with everything on your own and try to be a super mom. It will take a toll on your mental health. So know when to ask for help, know when to say, I'm not feeling okay. Don't make nobody pressure you to feel like, oh, just like how they do with um, endometriosis and period pain. It's just period pain. It's just giving birth. They just feel like everybody's just like a, a iron donkey. Everybody's not an iron donkey. Like 
some persons would feel things differently and we have to give them that process to feel and to be. And we cannot minimize how somebody feel because we didn't I feel, feel that feel way. Yep, yeah, that's, and, I, that's and I think it's something that we, as women, we need to be a lot more sensitive because as women, sometimes we're most insensitive when you see certain things. And then you look at some of the comments, it's mostly women who are very mm-hmm. insensitive and just violent. I'm just like, come on, we have to do better. So jump life now, let me just say that now. I'm always, as I said before, I always jumping into things. And I think it's so important for us to jump on and jump into doing better, being better. That's, mm-hmm. that's important. Right. Now tell me, how much do you think about your own physical health now? So now that you've given birth, how old is your baby? Right. He's, he's four months tomorrow. At the time of this filming. Okay. Right. So how, how much do you think about your own physical health now? Every you're four day. months post. Mm-hmm. Every day. Every yeah. day. Because I'm a fitness person. Right. And um, for me, the pain, the endometrial pain started coming back. Oh, it has. Yes. So I have to get back into it and I need to fit into my clothes because I'm not going to buy clothes to accommodate weight. And that's a part of the discipline that I have where you got to squeeze out my tripe, but once (laughs) it's squeezed, squeezed, you come back down to fit. I did not buy any clothes when I was pregnant. Luckily, I carried small. Yeah, I carried small. You didn't really realize I was pregnant until probably about seven, um, seven, eight months. So you don't feel like you're fully. So I started exercising back, like, like I, like I, tried my best as possible to just keep quiet. Okay. At about two months, I went for a long walk to test my body to see how it was doing. I realized I wasn't quite ready. At three right. months, I said I definitely need to start doing something. So I started a little bit more than that. And I realized from then I can just like go back to work in April. So I have to make a more concerted effort to um, come back down. Yeah. But it's not, no, but I'm, I'm not saying this, you know, any way to pressure women into, you shouldn't. You have to be wise about it and make sure that you're, think about your child and that and for, so for me I only gain a little bit more pounds because I'm breastfeeding and I have to eat yeah you know so I'm not gonna because I want to have a snapback body rob, rob my child of what the child needs and you know we have to be practical as women too and your body will change and you have to be comfortable with that and you have to take the process to love yourself the new you, because there are going to be some changes there. But luckily for us, there there are things that we can work on over time. Mm -hmm. And with experience, it teaches wisdom. Things are not just going to happen overnight. So you have to take time to work on those things, but use the opportunity to try as best as possible to incorporate your child into that process where and when they can, so that they can develop healthy habits as well. And for any mother right now, or I should say for any expectant mother right now, listening to this podcast, listening to this story, what would you tell them in preparation for that transition to motherhood? All right. A few things. Mm -hmm. If possible, try to exercise. Um, It would help you a lot in that process. It don't have to be like at least kind of thing but at least try to do basic exercise breathing will help you i, I remember no i remember the answer to the next my best friend told me she said breathe whenever you feel the contractions come hey let me tell you something oh yeah the breathing they got help you a lot so yeah. if i don't know if you want google or youtube how the breathing thing work 
But when those contractions start coming, you're definitely going to need to breathe. But try as best as possible to exercise. Take time out to take care of yourself. Enjoy what you can. The time you have with yourself, just whatever, walk and whatever you like to do, do it. Um, Self-care is very, very, very important. Um, How you treat yourself would be a reflection of how your child see you, how your partner see you, and you're doing it for you. It's important. It's important also to take care of your mental health, to carry a mental space. If you realize that there's somebody you need to talk to about something, that you need to just free that space to welcome into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, as you release, your blessing coming. And this is an automatic blessing that is coming. For sure. So you need to make space to be able to love this child whole. And that is important to take care of yourself wholly. So mm-hmm. the mental state, your physical state is very, very critical in preparing for that child. Um, preparing your mind helps with preparing your body and your spirit. Yeah. Really good words of wisdom. Um, and then at the end of my interview i like to ask my guests to choose a song that is representative of their journey to motherhood or you know pregnancy the whole experience what song resonates with you it could be so good it could be reggae it could be <laughs> any genre. i love dancing i love music and song but for me especially these words and i'll say it for you Spirit leads me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water because when you never know that it was possible Mm -hmm. and you're at this place, I mean, just you, you cannot give the praise. You cannot give the credit to anybody but God. And I know people may have their different belief systems and so whatever that person is to you. I had to say thank you, God and creator of the universe for blessing me with this gift. And I hope that I can be a good steward and care for this whole person as you have given me. So it's spirit lead me where my trust is without what bothers. Yeah, that, that song. You know it? No, I don't. But those words definitely make me feel at ease and at peace. So if that's something that you were saying during your journey, then I understand why you were able to completely just surrender because the spirit is leading you. So, so thank you for sharing that. And maybe no I problem at all. You should look for it. I was now going to say I'm going to go look for it and see it. I think you know it. And I don't think that's the name of the song, though. Um, oh, but yeah. those are the words. I will go and put it in the show notes down below so that the guests can listen to it and go on YouTube and find it as well. So we'll talk after about where to find it. Um, I want, so if someone- Thank you for not trying to make me sing it. (laughs) That was next. But if someone wants to contribute to FAM, how do they do that? Because this platform is about sharing resources. It's not just about idle conversation. It's about how can we help each other as a CARICOM community. We're a small region, but a powerful region. And I know CARICOM sometimes doesn't, the entity doesn't necessarily, we sometimes don't see, well, what do they do? Because I guess a lot of it is policy and, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't filter down to us. But I think just the idea is such a great one for us to be a, a Caribbean community. And I'm hoping that Caribbean Boot Stories helps to unite us in that way 
So I want us to be able to share our resources. So tell me if someone is interested in helping someone in St. Vincent or in the Grenadines, how can they go do that? I would, I would love if they could contact me via email and it doesn't have to be just monetary because like when things are back to the new normal, hopefully we can have the event again. And so persons who are into the fashion industry, we have models and stuff that when we have the events, you know, different lines and we try to explore um, different themes and stuff. Artists who want to perform for the show, that kind of stuff. As we raise funds, we raise the awareness and we do it around different themes that we can have discussions. I usually bringing like um, experts, doctors, different persons, women who are struggling with endometriosis to tell their story as well if they want to make monetary contribution because a part of what I should be doing was well intended to do and will continue to do once things get back properly is to go around the island and uh, donate pads to young girls because it's... We can't stop the period come and a lot of persons can't afford it. When you see sometimes um, tissue going missing from certain spaces, sometimes it's not just steal, people steal it. Sometimes women have to use it to when the period come and there's no other option. So sometimes we make a lot of perception as to why things happen and it's not always what we think. Um, And a lot of times, obviously, that's an embarrassing story to tell, but I recognize that because I work with a lot of youths as well sometimes. And so I would like to be able to go into the schools and to have more conversation with the girls who are going through this. Right. So we're going to put your email in the show notes. So anyone looking or listening to this can email you, get reach out to you regarding whether they want to be a vendor or they want to be, um, they want to contribute financially or they have some other um, resource that they can assist the, the, the mission of FAM. So Nico, it was a pleasure. It was such, such, such a pleasure. And I hope that the audience they gain just different insights on your from your experience and they're able to apply it to their life in some way or a friend or a sister or a mother. Just helpful words of wisdom you have shared, shared with us today. So thank you. And in closing, would you like to say anything to the audience? I just want to say to you, thank you for having me on this program. It was fun. I'm happy that I made you laugh. That's that's one of my goals. Every day I try to at least make one person laugh or smile. So I, I, I achieved that goal today. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to encourage us to be better and do better. You know, life is already difficult and challenging as it is. So mm-hmm. let us just try to be ambassadors for positive change and just jump into it. Jump into positivity, love, focus, greatness. You're awesome. God made it that way. And just continue to be the best version of yourself. Thank you. And you are awesome. And I am definitely jumping into all the positivity that you have sent my way. And I hope I can send some back to you and just keep sharing your message. You can't stop. Like we need to talk offline because we do, but guess what you're going to do for me. You have to promise me online though. You're going to physically do a jump let your husband take the picture and then you post it. (laughs) Yes. Physically jump, mm-hmm. physically jump, and we are challenging women to do a jump and just tag it to jumplife.svg. Okay, will do. Done. <laughs>
Seriously, you know, I'm looking out for him. When he gets back home, I will jump and let him take the picture and I will do my tagging. And put it in the program. And I will put it in the program. Put it in the program and then you'll have the song. Spirit leads me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you have called me. Take me deeper than my... Yes, that's it. So jump into it. Very good. You should have sung that long time. Your voice is beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. You're too kind. (laughs) All right. So I'll see you, Nika. Thanks for the chat. Bye.